Welcome to the Kings Insider Podcast on NBC Sports California, brought to you by Wendy's. I am James Ham, your host, and joining me today, my good friend Doug Christie. DC, you're all the way in Memphis. How's the barbecue? Oh, it's beautiful, man. Just uh, came back. I've had to, got the chance to try a couple spots, and I found, uh, well, I, I, Bobby, and myself, and um, Coach Larry Lewis, we went out and we found one that was superb this afternoon. So what is it that you eat at barbecue? Because you do have your dietary restrictions that you put on yourself. What what do you eat at a barbecue place? Uh, I eat yard bird. Uh, that would be chicken. Oh. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, they got pork. They got beef brisket. They got a lot of different things. I just I, I stay with the chicken and then all the sides and the desserts and all the things, sweet tea, all the things that make me come back and have to lay down and take a nap. <laughs> you do it up you know my mom uh is from oklahoma so like i was raised on the sweet tea and a lot of a lot of southern dishes so i feel you doug plus i, I make a, a really really mean rib uh i'm a rib guy during the summer um so okay. doug the kings are uh they're on this six game road trip and they currently stand at one and three and for some fans, I think the sky is falling because they lost to a couple of teams that they've already beaten. Uh, but in reality, the road is a different place, and it's a place where teams grow closer together, but it's also a place where, uh, you know, it's tough. It's tough to get wins, especially when you're an up-and-coming team. They've got a couple of games in front of them that are possibly winnable games, and they could get right back up to a 500 road trip, which I think would be startling. Even a two and four road trip uh, to me would be impressive. But what are you seeing from that group since you're with them a lot while they're on the road? You know, the, the uh, I would say that they, they don't get too high. They don't get too low. They found some time to practice a few times. I think that was been sorely needed. Um, and then just uh, watching them firsthand and how they kind of deal with their business and the ability to uh, defend is the one area that, as I look at them, that's a deficiency that they, they really have to improve. And uh, it, it's not like they can't defend because we see them do it in um, – uh, in small increments, but the ability to defend for 24 seconds at a time is is an it's imperative in the NBA. It's something that you have to do. Doesn't sound like a lot, but over the course of 48 minutes, it is difficult to stay. It's not the really physical part. It's more the the mental part, staying engaged and and staying in there. So it's always fun to to be on the road. Uh, Coach Yeager allows me to go to the practices, so to watch them do their business, have fun together, get after each other. I, I really enjoy that. You know, you've talked about that side of it, the uh, the going at it, the, you know, you you hone your skills behind the scenes, playing against each other, playing hard, working on your game. Do you see that? And, and who was it that you like to go to battle with uh, while you were on the road and you're hanging out, um, you know, whether one-on-one or 2v2s after practice? 
you know, it was always Bobby. Bobby was the Bobby Jackson enjoyed. We enjoyed playing one on one. And, you know, sometimes you don't necessarily feel like it, but we knew that once the juices got flowing and we started talking to each other and, and getting after it, it that it, it, it helps your game. It, it just does first of all being able to stay in front of a smaller quicker guy and uh you know and then defensively a smaller quicker guy on you and, and trying to create yourself you know one two three moves that you can depend upon and when a guy's in front of you you call upon that move and normally the guy who you play one-on-one with you'll look over at the bench or if he's on the floor with you and you guys will start laughing because it'll be like that's that's that move that you hit me with that was pretty good you know those are the type of things and then on the reverse side of that for bobby he's now playing against a longer uh, elite defender that's that's on him and contesting shots and you got to learn how to to get it off um and it, it's, it's conditioning it's there's a lot of little pieces that go into playing one-on-one playing two-on-two and those type of things because ultimately ham the game at some point breaks itself down to that what do we see a lot we see uh james harden ending up in a one-on-one situation we see a pick and roll that creates a situation and that's pretty much basketball so you got to stay on it and hone your craft you know, Doug, you brought up James Harden, and normally I, I wouldn't sidetrack onto this because I really, I, I think it's, f- I'll bring this up first. I think it's funny. You and Bobby uh, used to go out at one on one and fight against each other. Now you're going one on one at the barbecue place. Uh, and I know who's going to win that battle. I, 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 know, I, I know who's going to win that battle, Doug. And it ain't you. <laughs> but. Uh, you brought up James Harden, and there's this uh, this streak that he's on where he's scoring all these crazy points. But have you seen the dark side of that streak? That um, I think it's it's something ludicrous, like 59 consecutive baskets that he's made that are unassisted. I mean, have you yeah, have I, you I, I, have you ever seen anything like that? Where I mean, clearly, I don't think the league has seen anything like it. But could you even imagine playing with a guy who every single time he touches a ball? he pounds the ball until all of the air goes out of it. And, uh, and then he takes some last second shot. And I mean, he's making them and he's been great, but at the same time, um, averaging 36.3 points per game, which is, I think what he's at right now, uh, that's gotta be, that's gotta be difficult to play with a guy who's doing that. Yeah, it, it would be unless you are built for the system, meaning that you put together a system and normally you put together a system and the guys that play in that system are built for it. So they understand that, you know, John Stockton is going to run pick and roll with Carl Malone uh, 60% of the time and we're going to spot up and I'm going to rebound and I'm going to screen and I'm going to do my job and that equates to success. So when you look at James Harden, the team isn't necessarily totally built that way, but I think they've devised and found a way that they can compete at an extremely high level after allowing Ma Butte and uh, Trevor Ariza to leave the team. And there was a big void. And early on in the season, they were trying to find the new style. And the stylistic approach is a heavy dose of James Harden. And could it could it be difficult? Yeah, it, it could be extremely difficult. And during the regular season, and I think that this is ultimately, you know, always the hit on everyone. It's not just James Harden. I know a lot of people say that. 
Uh, I'm I'm a James Harden fan, actually. I, I I love the fact that he is so skillful. You can tell that he works on his crafts, and I truly respect and appreciate that. But ultimately, it's going to be said in the postseason. Is he able to deliver in the postseason? And what I mean is he is going to have to find a way to play that style of basketball and be successful and in the postseason, the game gets a little more physical. It slows down. The defenses lock in on you. And that's why I think that we've had the up and down success with James Harden because the game changes a little bit in the postseason. Some of the same fouls that he's getting when he's getting to the free throw line 20 times in the game in the postseason, he's only getting there 10. So it doesn't equate the same way it does in the regular season. And to pair it with him, the fact that the guys who are standing around the floor they don't, they don't get to touch the ball as much. So they don't have the flow and the flair and the flavor when the time presents itself, and that can become definitely difficult, especially in the playoffs when there's high leverage moments. Yeah, there's a big difference between getting like four foul calls on three-pointers against, um, you know, be it the Sacramento Kings or the Phoenix Suns or uh, the Memphis Grizzlies during the regular season and getting those same four calls against Andre Iguodala and Clay Thompson. Um, yes. It's just there's a balancing out of what the league does when it comes to stars. And um, and I, I really think, I mean, talk about the biggest contrast in styles in the history of the game, James Harden versus Clay Thompson in a, in a seven-game series. I don't think that there has ever been two players that were built so differently. Uh, you got the, the defender uh, who you know, doesn't dribble at all. I, he's what he scored 61. He had three dribbles, something like that. Um, yeah. It's, it's just such a contrast in styles. So I think that should be fun. I, I mean, I know we, we talk Kings and we kind of got distracted by it, but um, I, I still think it was good conversation. So uh, Doug, the other thing I want to bring up, we talked about defense and the Kings are hit and miss. I mean, and that's a young player issue. It's a, an issue that, you have three or four guys who really aren't defensive players at all, uh, who will never be great defenders, who are you're, you're hoping will be adequate defenders. Um, there's a lot of issues that go into it. Uh, but I saw a stat the uh, yesterday, and it was that Justin Jackson, out of players who have played over 900 minutes this season, um, has the fewest deflections in the league. And I know that the Kings, it's something that Garrett Temple brought to the game, and I know it's also something that uh, we've heard when when they do incredible deflection things, we hear about it. Like I remember there was a home game where they had 19 deflections or something, and, and that's all they wanted to talk about in post game. Um, how do you how do you figure that out if you're a player like Justin Jackson? And is there a, a difference between the style of defender that he is? Uh, is there a reason why? He's not getting deflections, uh, but it doesn't mean that he's a bad defender or or does it just one of those things that he has to get better at? Well, de- deflections are usually an e- equator of uh, activity. And that means hands in the passing lane, tracing the basketball. Uh, you, you'd be surprised, Ham, how... Uh, I would say easy, but let me, I'm going to say easy, but understand that it is not easy. 
how easy it is to get steals in the NBA because when a guy gets the ball, he has four other options because there's four other guys on the floor. If he's on the right side of the floor, now the options have probably been limited because one guy isn't an option, so he has three options. And then someone's fronting one guy. Now it comes down to two options. So, And if you can learn to equate the game that way, all of a sudden you can kind of know what a guy's going to do and where he's going to go, and you, you get your hands active. And when I look at not just Justin, I look at a lot of uh, Kings players. The one guy who does this really well is um, Kawhi Leonard. And that's having a dig hand. A dig hand is, is one hand that's down in front of the defender, bothering the basketball, and he's swiping up toward the player. The other hand's in the passing lane, and they work in conjunction. And then you switch them to the other side. And the, a lot of times when I look at Kings defenders, they have their hands out to the side, or they, they their hands aren't active in what it is that they're doing. And that's where you get the deflections. I think Justin has improved on the defensive end quite a bit. That's statistic that you that you gave is is an alarming one though because being six eight being athletic and those type of things um that should be a lot higher he, he shouldn't be there and that's just it's something where you drill it you work it uh there's a, a few drills that you can do that are a bit frustrating and a bit monotonous but nonetheless they will help you on the defensive end to become a better deflection defender and when you are able to get out in the passing lane, especially when you've got a guy like De'Aaron Fox at the head of the snake, meaning he's usually guarding the ball and he makes it tough. So that means you have to get up in the passing lane and try to help his pressure as opposed to he's pressuring and then you just let the, the ball be passed. So um, with his length and his athleticism, there's a way for him to do it. But I will preface that with saying, I think that he is improving as a defender. I've watched him many games that I'm like, wow, really? And I call it out when I see it. Really solid defense by Justin Jackson right there. Because, um, it, But it comes in stages um, more than anything, Ham. It's not something that happens all at once. Young players, um, you know, there's so many different things that you're focused on. He wants to make shots. Then he has to learn how to put it on the floor after he makes a shot because they run him off the line. Then there's transition defense. Then there's post defense. Then there's wing defense. Then there's on the ball defense. Then, you know, all these different things. And he's only in year two. I think that he, he's trending in the right direction. And ultimately, I'm hoping that he becomes the defender that is is in the top 20 in, in deflections in the NBA as opposed to yeah, you know, down. oh, you broke up a little bit there for a sec. Um, but here's how I look at it, too. Like, uh, I think Justin Jackson is very conservative. He's very conservative as an offensive player. He's very conservative as a defensive player. Uh, that That's not always a bad thing because lately I've watched uh, the gambler on the team, which I, I think most people would think that the gambler on the Kings would be Buddy Hield or it would be, uh, De'Aaron Fox, and, and to be honest with you, the real gambler on the team is Bogdan Bogdanovich. Uh, he he uses his big basketball IQ to play passing lanes, to to get to balls that you didn't think he would get to, to, to get deflections. But the reverse of that is that Bogdan mm-hmm. is also usually the guy who leaves a man wide open on the perimeter, who hits a wide open three-point shot, and everyone looks around like, what just happened? And that's right. something that you know, you've got, you can't have all of that. You've got to have a mixture of guys, a guy who will stay with a guy. I mean, there are plenty of times where I see Justin Jackson, where I think to myself, 
man, why didn't you reach for that ball? That was a soft pass. Why didn't you go tip that? Why didn't you knock it out of bounds? Why didn't you go for the steal and try to send it the other way? Um, so it, it is something he needs to work on. But the reverse is I, I really do believe uh, some of the Kings gamble on defense way too often, and that hurts your team as well. And, you know, again, Doug, as a player, you are one of the great defenders in the game. So I respect your your uh, sort of your explanation as to how this happens. And, and I do think that there are drills. I mean, it's like the tip drill in, the NF, in, in football. I mean, if anyone played football, you always worked on the tip drill as a wide receiver, as a defensive back. Everyone's tipping the ball, uh, trying to come away with it. Um, but you want that first deflection so you can see what it, it's like to get the deflection and how the ball ter- twists and turns and how it changes direction, uh, changes your reaction time, changes your your focus as far as your vision when the ball's in the air. Um, so so I, I definitely think that there's a way that the Kings can get better at that, specifically Justin Jackson. Uh, and, and not to call one guy out just because I, I saw a stat, but uh, it, it's one of those things that stuck out to me. You are listening to the Kings Insider Podcast on NBC Sports California, brought to you by Wendy's. Wendy's new bacon maple chicken sandwich brings breakfast flavors to any time of the day. Juicy chicken, applewood smoked bacon, and maple glaze on a croissant bun make breakfast perfect for lunch or dinner at participating Wendy's for a limited time. Smud is rolling out time of day rates. While you'll pay more during peak hours 5 to 8 p.m., you'll pay less the rest of the time. You can control your bill by reducing use between 5 p.m. and 8 p.m. weekdays. Learn more at smud.org slash time of day. Um, Doug, the Kings rested three players uh, on Tuesday. Um, I know a lot of Kings fans were over the moon upset about the fact that the Kings were resting players. Um, I have a completely different opinion on this. And that my opinion is that statistically speaking, you could see the dip in Nemanja Bialica, in De'Aaron Fox, in uh, Iman Shumpert. Their stats have dipped so substantially. Uh, Fox is, hasn't been as good. The other two have been flat out uh, not good at all. Um, and not only that, but you can visually see on the court that they are fading. And so to me, when I hear people complain that they aren't playing as well, and then the same people are complaining when they get a day off. Um, I, I have a, I have trouble like putting those two things together because if you you can see that they're visually exhausted, and I can see that they're visually exhausted. Um, the coaching staff can see it, the TV cameras see it, everyone sees it. Um, it's probably time to sit a guy before a he gets hurt, uh, or b he continues down that same path and continues to get worse. And I think you can point and say, hey, these guys need to be in better shape, or Hey, you know, the pace has killed these guys. You can point to a lot of things, but the reality is, Doug, they were exhausted and they needed a day. And that day led to three days because you have two days off on the trip. Are you seeing anything differently or are you like, a, I got to play 82 games guy? Um, you know, I, I'm not a, a, a big rest proponent. What I am a big proponent of is servicing your body properly. And I don't know exactly what all those guys do for their for their bodies. I mean, uh, it doesn't look like there's an inordinate amount of minutes being played. So th- that to, to me, but I, I get it. it. It's different. The pace, you know, they're, they're playing at a at a uh, at a higher pace. But there's no one on the Kings that the minutes are just like, wow, that's just like totally they're playing a lot of minutes. 
So from that standpoint, sometimes rest is a bad thing, meaning that if you totally shut it down, you can almost do worse for your body than if you do what I call maintenance and you take care of your body, whether that's massage, mixed with baths, mixed with stretching, mixed with band work, mixed with weightlifting, all those different things, that's that's an off day. But at the same time, it, it's not totally off where you turn it off and you don't you don't service your body because these are high level machines and I, I equate it to a sports car. If you've ever owned a sports car, you know there's a lot of maintenance in owning a sports car. It's not just like ordinary or your normal automobile and you can just start it, stop it, turn it off, turn it on. It it doesn't work that way. You got to make sure that you service it at a really high level to keep it running at a really high level. So, and we have some young guys that are, I'm sure learning that as they go along and paired with nutrition and a lot of different things like that. So um, I, I understand it, but at the same time, there's other people out here that are playing that many minutes, if not more minutes, and you have to figure out a way to work through it and fight through it. And a lot of the times, Sam, what I see is the inability of them to stay consistent enough helping each other, meaning that on nights where you can't just dominate with your athleticism and your speed and all these different things, what do you do? You don't just give up. You don't just quit. You screen for each other. You think the game. You play at a different level mentally that allows you to now to help each other to get that wide open look, to pass the ball one more time, to make sure that the look is uh, not contested and things like that. So uh, I get it, and I, I totally understand it, and it's part of the game now. So there really isn't any fighting it. There's a, a, a way to do it. Do, do they look a little tired and what have you? Yeah, but that's um, that's part of the business that we're in. You know, Doug, I'm a show-up-every-day guy. Um, I, I, I've always been that way. I don't call in sick to work. Um, I think I, I haven't missed a, a home game in, I don't know, it's – it's got to be seven or eight seasons, uh, and the only two games I've ever missed, uh, I was at a board of governors meeting, and I was at the Sloan Analytics Conference in uh, at MIT in Boston. Um, so I get showing up every day and being there every day, uh, and there are days where I I don't I don't have it, and I feel like you know even as at what I do, um, but I, I show up every day, so I get that avenue. Um, I also know that. Uh, Iman Shumper played 14 games last season. Nemanja Bialica, while he's a big guy and, and you know he's he's really a high I, uh, IQ basketball player, he also did not play substantial minutes the last three years in the NBA, and he certainly never played at this pace. And then the, lastly, I think De'Aaron Fox is, we talked about him being the head of the snake, and I think that there's a different pressure, there's a different speed that he has to play on, there's a different... Uh, you know, he's got to do it on both ends of the floor. Um, and look, whether, whether they, they should be able to play through it or not, it was very clear to me that, that they were going to do this. I actually had tweeted out the night before, uh, not to be surprised if De'Aaron Fox sat out, uh, because I know that it's something that the coaching staff thought about doing earlier in the season with Fox, where they saw him start to wear out. And I think with Fox, you're right, Doug. He's got to find different ways to be effective when he is gassed. And I watched him in uh, in the game on Monday, and he just started running the ball right into the middle of three guys and like throwing his hands up in the air like I give up. And that's 
you know, he's got to figure out a different way to uh, to use his skill level and and to get free. But the numbers across the board show me that they were exhausted. So I kind of want to see how they look over not just the next game, but maybe the next two weeks and see if that actually helped. Uh, because if every once in a while you got to take a day to uh, to get the high level performance out of these guys that that you want, then that's what you got to do. Especially in a game that I think everybody kind of penciled in on the schedule, circled it, uh, wrote it in pen as a scheduled loss, a back to back against the Toronto Raptors, who are one of the better teams in the league. Um, so that's just my two thoughts on it, Doug. And, and I know that you're a maintenance guy. Uh, you know, we've talked about this before uh, that you would have, you know, the the salt sent up to your bath for your bath every single yeah. game, and, and you really did maintain. And clearly, these guys need to figure some of that out. I'm I'm absolutely with you on that. But I mean, performance is performance. You can see if you can see trends in performance, you should be able to predict what the next step should be, and that's for the performance to get worse with more with more energy exerted than to get better. So uh, we'll have to see how it works out, right? Yeah, I, I think it's uh, part of this is, is learned. And as, as a society, we're, we're learning a lot of different stuff. That's where all this analytics and different stuff is showing that these are smart things to do. So like you said, we have to watch it. They have to learn. And, and you know what? Some things work for some people and some things work for other people. Some might find meditation the way to reboot and get uh, energy. So, But the point is that you experiment and that you dabble and that you're always trying to find the thing that best helps you to service yourself and at the same time bring a high level of basketball for Sacramento. That's right, Doug. I find that a a nice old fashioned with Woodford works really well for me in these situations. It it <laughs> it, it, get, it gets me through, Doug. <laughs> uh, I, I got you. All right, so uh, so Doug, you guys are coming home. Uh, what is it? You got one more game on Sunday after uh, after the Memphis game on Friday evening. Um, so so two games. If if they. Uh, they come home one in five. Um, how how disappointed are you, and how much do you think that changes the uh, the February seventh trade deadline in your mind? Um, that's a good question because first of all, I'd be highly disappointed at one in five. I was hoping for four and two. I was hoping for no no worse than three and three uh, on this trip. But it, it, it happens, you know, it, it's part of the NBA and that's how things kind of even out. I would think, does it change? Maybe it changes because uh, you realize, okay, maybe we can hold off and continue to develop and get that piece in the summertime as, as, as opposed to trying to figure out exactly, not exactly, but figure out the next step to a piece that you might need that allows you to make that playoff run and get yourself in the playoffs this year. It, it might begin to see that, okay, it's, it's not going to happen um, this year. And that, the, that eighth spot, that seventh spot is out of question. But as we stand right now, Kings are in a 10th spot, and I can think of five, almost six games that they've, they've dropped that they really should have won, which would put them at uh, 30. If it's five, it'd be 29, which would put them in the five, five spot right now. So um, they're still in the mix, um, even if they 
they were to drop these two, now that would put you two games under 500. That that almost spells your doom. But with the way that things are going, it looks like the Clippers are coming back to the pack. The Lakers lost last night and or the other night, and it's you know they don't look extremely daunting right now. Um, the Kings are hanging around; they're they're in it. Um, but it could change you from from a buyer to somebody who might be staying pat and waiting um, until the off season to figure out what the next move might be. There we go. All right, so Doug, my opinion on that, just so you know, is I think it does change the direction a little bit, um, but I also do believe that the Kings will make a deal one way or the other. Either they will be uh, out there surfing for the right fit to to fill that the voids in the roster, which right now, from my knowledge of the team, is uh, first and foremost more size at the wing, uh, followed by a reserve backup point guard that is more traditional. Uh, you can argue those points all you want. That's just what I know that the team has been looking for. Uh, but I think if you do fall off here, then maybe you become more of a facilitator looking for draft picks than someone going out there trying to make a splash and trying to improve the team for today. Uh, and I do think that the Kings have plenty of young players to run out there and eat a bunch of minutes. Uh you know, the like the Enos Cantor thing has come up again. Uh, and in all honesty, with the way that Marvin Bagley's playing, the way that Harry Giles is starting to show, uh, the way that, you know, Willie Cauley-Stein and, and Amanya Bielitsa uh, give you different things, then I would be okay if they, they stayed away from a deal like that. Um, but I also think that the Kings will be active just because they have so much cap space. They have so much uh so many expiring contracts and i think they can actually be a player in this whole thing um doug do you have any final thoughts you know i i'm uh i'm optimistic i think that that is probably my, my final thought i mean if you would have told anybody that at uh 48 games into the season the kings would be 24 up and 24 down with the possibility of five games that you just absolutely gave away people would go get out of town um, so I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic that the, the guys are continuing to learn. Marvin Bagley has missed 11 games. He continues to grow. Harry Giles looks to begin to find his leverage and his feet about him. Uh, Buddy Hill, uh, De'Aaron, Bogdan. I mean, there's just, in my opinion, a lot to be optimistic about. I understand that expectations have grown, and with that, probably frustration and a lot of different things. But uh, I would take this type of frustration with this um, uh, win-loss record at this point of the year, any time of the day, uh, instead of 11 and 39 or 19 and 29, they, that's what the Grizzlies and the Suns are, respectively. So uh, I, I'm I'm excited for this team. I think that they're on the upswing, even though they're trending in a down way right at this particular moment. Uh, but it's a learning curve. We're on it, and we get to enjoy it with them, and I hope that everyone is enjoying the process. I, I fully agree with all of that, Doug. I, I think even worst case, well, I don't think there is a worst case scenario here. I think the Kings will wanna win one out of two here uh, at, at a minimum, and you come back at 500 after your worst road trip of the season, and your first game back home is against the Atlanta Hawks, uh, which is a very winnable game, although they do play hard. Um I think that you're right in it, and I, I think this is an intriguing season, and fans should be all in on watching the process of the development of this team, and 
I really do think that this has been, uh, for me, it's a breath of fresh air. It's the best season I've been able to cover. Uh, you know, they they are one win away from matching their the Vegas win prediction, um, and we've yeah. got we've got thirty something games left. I mean, it's absolutely crazy what this team has been able to accomplish with a young group uh, who almost they don't know any better half the time. And uh, so I'm excited to see where it goes from here. And uh, I think Doug is too. So, all right, Doug, I think that's going to do it for the this edition of the Kings Insider Podcast brought to you by Wendy's. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We are, see this, we've got it. Uh, I think this is three weeks in a row. We've got a pod. Uh, so we're back. We're back doing the pod every week and uh, we hope you enjoy them. Uh, make sure to drop in and, and leave comments and uh, some feedback, rate us, review us, do all that good stuff. Uh, and thanks for tuning in to the Kings Insider Podcast on NBC Sports California. All right, you've been listening to the Kings Insider Podcast brought to you by Wendy's. If you haven't already, please visit Apple Podcasts or Google Play to subscribe. And if you like our podcast, give us a rating and a review. We would really appreciate it. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at NBCS Authentic. We'll be back next week with Doug Christie and another great guest, Thanks for tuning in, Kings fans. We'll see you very soon.